What's up, y'all? It's your boy, Ruby Rube, coming at you from the Gathering Strength podcast, hailing out of the beautiful, gorgeous, and expensive Livermore, California. Now, once again, I'm going to be jumping right into it. Time is money. Money is time. You got things to do, places to be, and so does your boy, Ruby Rube. So let's get on with it. Today's word, ooh, it's a juicy one. I recently discovered this book, or this word, in the latest book that I just finished reading, Ego is the Enemy, by one of my favorite authors, Ryan Holiday. Now, Ryan Holiday has written a bunch of books, all very poetically and eloquently written his sentence structures, the way that he writes, it's very descriptive. Uh, informative and invigorating and powerful. All of those adjectives plus many more can be used to describe Ryan Holiday's works. Now, because this author is what I would consider genius, his vocabulary that he uses, it calls for you to up your game. While he writes in a way that you're able to comprehend in an in a elementary type level, there is some writing and vocabulary and metaphors and historical examples which prompt the reader to elevate their intelligence to fully comprehend what he is saying. Now, the point of reading is for intellectual growth to stimulate your mind to take on new thoughts to learn a word or two and that is exactly what reading one of Ryan Holiday's books does for me and it is not uncommon when I'm reading over his literature that I need to pull out my phone and and understand a new word that he is implementing in a sentence. When Ryan Holiday used this word, I could have easily just glossed over it, had that word, like many others, just go right over my head. But that word stopped me in my tracks. I've never seen this word, which is going to be today's word of the day. I've never seen this word before, so I was like, man, what the hell is that word? So I spent some time with this word. I fell in love with it. This word might be one of my favorite words of all time. Last year's word of the year was superfluous. I love that word. Um, I was able to identify all of the superfluousness in my life and cast it all aside to focus my energy, my time, and my efforts on the vital and necessary. So one of the things that Superfluous did for me was to be able to identify the things that were extra and unnecessary. And now because I have identified the Superfluous, I can focus my time and energy on the things that are most important and highest value. Hence, that is why that word superfluous was invented. And I wonder who invented that word. Who came up with the word superfluous? I don't know. That person has definitely lost in the the annals of time. 
but hey, it continues to tickle a guy like me way off out in the future, and it tickles me in all sorts of ways. So as much as superfluous tickled me, and as much as that word was powerful when I realized the truest definition of it, this word of the day is going to land in my top five words of ever. Now, I know that you're waiting on pins and needles like Ruby Rube. Tell us this word. What is the word? If it excites you, Ruby Rube, it's going to potentially leak some blood out your nose because what it does to your brain, I don't know, it might... It might start giving you a little bit of a brain aneurysm. So go ahead and have a seat because this one is going to be a heavy lift. Ooh. The word is indefatigable. I'm going to let you go ahead and think about that word for a, a, a moment. Indefatigable. What do you think that that word means? Indefatigable. Indefatigably indefatigability oh wow indefatigability have you ever heard such of a word that is a word that Ryan Holiday used in his book Ego is the Enemy to describe someone who was tirelessly persevering and working diligently nonstop. now let's go to what the definition of Indefag. <laughs> that is a tough word. Yeah, that word will have you tripping all over yourself. So the word is indefatigable. I'm going to go ahead and spell it out for you. I-N-D-E-F-A-T-I-G-A-B-L-E. Indefatigable. Such a fun word. Go ahead and look that one up and just stare at it. So your boy Ruby Rube is going to read the word definition for you. Indefatigable is an adjective, so you would use it to describe a person and their efforts. The definition is persisting tirelessly. Uh, And then it gives a little sentence. An indefatigable defender of human rights. What awesome words. So you can work, you can be an indefatigable person. You can work indefatigably. And then... You can be working so hard that your indefatigability persists no matter what. You know what? Hey, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm going to compare God's love and the indefatigability that his love for us persists for eternity. Hey, that, that means that God's love persists tirelessly. Oh, yes. God's love is indefatigable. And there's a bunch of instances where you can use this word to describe, um, like, for example, my mother. She never gave up on me. I was a hard-headed kid, but my mother's indefatigable love, she never gave up on me. And she continued persisting tirelessly to guide me. And correct me. Hey, even broke a couple wooden spoons over your boy Ruby Rube's behind because of her indefatigability and her her tirelessly persisting in 
correcting the behavior of her young, misguided child. So right on, Mom. Hey, thank you for being an indefatigable woman. Yes, so, so to hone down on the definition, capable of working a long time without tiring. So go ahead and add that word into your vocabulary quiver and see which realms you find yourself indefatigable. And hopefully that one can spice up your, your life, your vocabulary, your intentions in a way that suits whatever flavoring you're trying to sauce it up for. Because this word is so fun, I had a great time um, discovering this word and digging into it. Indefatigable, some synonyms for that word are assiduous, inexhaustible, diligent, painstaking, dogged, relentless, energetic, tireless. I'm sure that you, without even knowing, you have been indefatigable in many aspects of your life. And you know what? Once we do get a firmer grasp on the truest fundamental definitions of these words, it helps us obtain a deeper understanding of reality, of what is and what isn't. And when you can better articulate your emotions on how you feel, hey, you can then begin to sort yourself out. So that's what your boy Ruby Rube hopes to enlighten y'all on is when you when you start to learn, when you start to take on new measures of knowledge, your light begins to shine a little bit brighter and therefore the world becomes a little less dark because you're you're doing your part. You're doing your part by learning. And today, you're going to learn. So let's keep it moving onward from the word of the day into the meat and potatoes. Now, as mentioned before, the main subject of today's podcast is a book written by Ryan Holiday, Ego is the Enemy. Ryan Holiday has a handful of books, which are all ranking up in my top five, top ten books. Um, He has another great one called Obstacle is the Way, uh, Discipline is Destiny, and a couple others that I can't remember off the top of my mind. But yep, I just finished reading Ego is the Enemy. And once again, thoroughly entertained it. I had the highlighter out. This whole damn book... Might as well just be covered in highlight because there was so much, uh, so many golden nuggets. While this book, um, it, it was a decent size. Let's see, how many pages? For, for you people who want to know how many pages there are, there's 226 pages in this book. And I'm going to go over maybe three, three or four pages. So just imagine how much. Uh, practical and applicable knowledge is in this book that can be applied and implemented in your life. So there's a chapter in this book called Alive Time or Dead Time. 
and he starts off the chapter with a with a quote. Um, it's a it's a political slogan, and it says, "Live without wasted time." He starts off the book talking about Malcolm X. I'm not too familiar with Malcolm X. I know that he is a a controversial uh, character, um, but according to history and Ryan Holiday, Malcolm X started as a criminal. Did you know that? Did you know he started out selling drugs? Uh, let's see. He was doing armed robbery. He had his own burglary gang, uh, which he ruled over with a combination of intimidation and boldness, exploiting the fact that he did not seem afraid to kill or die. That's coming from me, boy, Ryan Holiday. He even talks about... So right now, he's setting the table. He's setting the table for what is going to be the golden nuggets in the middle of this chapter. He wants you to know that Malcolm X started out as a criminal, was doing drugs, selling drugs, doing armed robberies. He wasn't afraid to die or kill people. And he was finally arrested um, for the crimes that he was committing, but he had a gun on him. Uh Uh-oh, that'll land you behind bars with some time. And it looks like at the point when Malcolm X was arrested, his apartment, it was uh, filled with jewelry, furs, guns, and a bunch of burglary tools. So he got 10 years in prison for that. And that was in February, February 1946. He was barely 21 years old. So a young, misguided Malcolm X committing all types of crimes and landed himself in prison for 10 years. Did you know that? I didn't. And if you did know that, hey man, why don't you tell me? Why don't you ever bring up Malcolm X's criminal history? Man, we're over here talking about a bunch of of malarkey when we could be talking about historical figures that have fell to the pits of the rock bottomness that their life consisted of and then rose to prominence. So let's jump into the book with an excerpt. Uh, So Malcolm X, he is in prison. He's obviously a knucklehead. And so Ryan Holiday writes, When your actions land you in a lengthy prison sentence, rightly tried and convicted, something has gone wrong. You have failed not only yourself, but the basic standards of society and morality. That was the case with Malcolm X. So, there he was in prison, a number, a body with roughly a decade to sit in a cage. Uh, Your boy Ruby Rube interjecting right here. Ryan Holiday inserts a quote by an author, Robert Greene. And Robert Greene wrote the book 48 Laws of Power. Uh, That is an awesome book. I plan on creating a podcast episode about that time. If you want to stay in tune with these episodes, go ahead and give me a like, subscribe, and a follow. Um, Until then, I just want to let you know who this Robert Greene guy is because Ryan Holiday writes, uh, he includes a quote. So, once again, going back into the book. He faced what Robert Greene, a man who 60 years later would find his wildly popular books banned in many federal prisons. Oh yeah, hey, so that Robert Greene guy, this is your boy Ruby Rube once again. Robert Greene had his book banned in federal prisons. Uh, I think it was because, hey, they were too enlightening. 
So Robert Greene calls, um, like for example, going to prison, a lifetime or dead time. Uh, how would the seven years ultimately play out? Would Malcolm, well, what would Malcolm do with this time? Um, Brian Holiday continues to write. According to Green, there are two types of time in our lives. Dead time. Dead time is when people are passive and waiting. And alive time, when people are learning and acting and utilizing every second. Every moment of failure, every moment or situation that we did not deliberately choose or control presents us with this choice. Alive time or dead time. Malcolm chose a lifetime. So this is your boy Ruby Rube. So when Malcolm X was in prison, he chose to use his time as a lifetime. And we're going to jump back into the book right now. Malcolm X chose a lifetime. He began to learn. He explored religion. He taught himself to be a reader by checking out a pencil and the dictionary from the prison library and not only consumed it from start to finish, but copied it down longhand form from cover to cover. All these words he never known existed before were transferred to his brain. Uh, As he said later, from then until I left that prison, in every free moment I had, if I was not reading in the library, I was reading in my bunk. Hey, once again, so your boy Ruby Rube right here empowers y'all with the word of the day because I know that these words have empowered me because in order to clearly articulate a internal feeling, if you have a robust vocabulary, then you can identify it is that how you feel. You can identify what you want. You can identify what went wrong. And yeah, man, your vocabulary helps you empower yourself. And if Malcolm X was able to empower himself by writing down the dictionary from cover to cover, and if that helped him out, hey, what do you think it's going to do for you? Um, I'm sure that you're not the knucklehead that Malcolm X was when he was a kid, but hey, when you're in prison and that's all you have to do is sort yourself out, uh, according to this author, uh, Robert Greene, you have a lifetime and dead time. So once again, all of those words, those words that contain power, that contain information, that contain wisdom, Malcolm X used his prison time to read and to learn words and to ultimately sort and figure himself out. There was a... So we're going to fast forward. He's now out of prison. And there was a reporter that was asking him, Hey, what college did you go to? What's your alma mater? And in one word, Malcolm X said, Books. Prison was his college. Once again, your boy Ruby Rube can relate to that. Even though I have never been in prison, hey, I graduated from the School of Hard Knocks too with honors. We're going to dive back into the book. Ryan Holiday writes, Most people know what Malcolm X did after he got out of prison, but they don't realize or understand how prison made that possible. How a mix of acceptance, humility, and strength powered that transformation. 
They also aren't aware of how common this is in history. How many figures took seemingly terrible situations, a prison sentence, an exile, a bear market or depression, military conscription, or being sent to a concentration camp, and through their attitude and approach, turn those circumstances into fuel for their unique greatness. And then Ryan Holiday includes a couple examples. Francis Scott Key, for example, he wrote the poem that became the national anthem of the United States while trapped on a ship during a prisoner exchange in the War of 1812. I didn't know that. Did you? I knew this next example that Ryan Holiday writes about, Victor Frankl. He was a psychologist who spent time in the Nazi concentration camps. And your boy Ryan Holiday writes, Victor Frankl refined his psychologies of meaning and suffering during his ordeal in three Nazi concentration camps. This is your boy Ruby Rube going to interject right now. There's a great quote by Victor Frankl. He says that inside every man, there is a line between good and dark. He even includes a example from Walt Disney. I bet you didn't know this about Walt Disney. So I guess there's a story about Walt Disney where he made his decision to become a cartoonist while laid up after stepping on a rusty nail. I'm going to have to Google that. Maybe uh, Walt Disney, I guess he must have gotten super sick, questioned his life and the trajectory of where it was going. He must have took inventory and he was like, man, I don't like doing this stuff. I'm going to go create cartoons. I guess that's uh, apparently what happened. So onward into the book. So how does this pertain to the name of the chapter, A Lifetime or Dead Time? Well, your boy Ruby Rube is going to um, hammer it on home right now. Let's see. Mal- uh, so this is the book. Malcolm could have doubled down on the life that brought him to prison. Dead time isn't only dead because of sloth or complacency. He could have spent those years becoming a better criminal, strengthening his contacts, or planning his next score. But it still would have not been dead time. He might have felt alive doing it, even as he was slowly killing himself. Uh, He inserts another quote by Robert Greene. Many a serious thinker has been produced in prisons where we have nothing to do but think. Yet, sadly, prisons in their literal and figurative forms have produced far more degenerates, losers, and and ne'er-do-wells. Inmates might have had nothing to do but think is just what they choose to think about that made them worse and not better. Now, you know what? There has been ample opportunity for me to do some thinking. Um, The best thinking that I have ever done is marathon training and Ironman training. Now, while I'm not in a prison, I am in solitude when I'm out there by myself in nature. I have my blood pumping. I have my endorphins being released. My brain is being saturated with oxygen. I'm putting healthy stress all over my body. And like I said, while I was not in prison, I was in solitude. And Robert Greene, a a great author, 
He says, many a serious thinker has been produced in prisons where we have nothing to do but think. And when you're out there uh, on a long run in the dark or when you're out on your bike going a, a hundred miles for a cycling training regiment, that's all you have to do too is just think. And that's what your boy Ruby Rube did because you can't, you can't just propel, uh, propel yourself a hundred miles and not think anything. No, you're, you're going to work whatever you have out in your mind, in your deep subconscious. All of that stuff is going to come out and you will sort it out. You will gain some clarity. So if you need some clarity in your life, I would implore on you and encourage you to go out for a walk. It doesn't need to be uh, a marathon training session or an Ironman, but just go out on a walk. Don't take any music. I double dare you. Your boy Ruby Rube double dares you to go out for a walk with no music in nature. And go for 45 minutes. Do an hour. And let me know how you feel after. You're probably going to have some answers manifest themselves in which otherwise would have been enshrouded in fog because all of the daily distractions that we are distracted with take away from solutions and feelings and really processing things. The little bells and chimes on our cell phones, the the freaking weeds that need to be pulled, just all of these things, whatever it is, so many distractions out there. But hey, when you're in prison and all you have to do is time, you have a choice. You can use that time to double down on your criminal enterprises, on your criminal philosophy, or you can do what Malcolm X did and read the dictionary and write it down from cover to cover and learn some new empowering words and sort yourself out. Ryan Holiday goes on to write, Inmates might have had nothing to do but think. It's just what they chose to think about that made them worse or better. That's what so many of us do when we fail or get ourselves into trouble. Lacking the ability to examine ourselves, we reinvest our energy into exactly the patterns of behavior that cause our problems to begin with. It comes in many forms. Idly dreaming about the future, plotting our revenge, finding refuge in distraction, refusing to consider that our choices are a reflection of our character. We'd rather do basically anything else. This is your boy Ruby Rube interjecting once again. I can vouch for and confirm that, man, when I was a lesser evolved thinking hairy American man five, ten years ago, I, I was this person where if I fell short, I wouldn't take ownership or accountability. I'd be the one plotting my revenge. I'd be the one idly dreaming about the future. And I like that sentence, idly dreaming about the future, not taking actionable steps into the future. Nope. I was idly dreaming, just daydreaming, twiddling my thumbs, distracting myself, Plotting my revenge. You know what? We Nobody gets out of life without being hurt or slighted or taken advantage of or just whatever. There's going to be some dickheads in our lives that come and smear poo-poo all over our, our freshly vacuumed couch. 
And guess what? We're going to plot our revenge on them, right? If we're not idly dreaming about the future, plotting our revenge, we find refuge in distraction. Refuge. To be a refugee. To leave one place of a tyrannical, oppressive government into a, a promised land of milk and honey. But rather than literally going through that, we are finding refuge in distraction. So we're just going to distract ourselves. We're going to self-sabotage ourselves. We're going to self. Um, we're we're going to implement self-deception, um, and we're going to refuse to consider that our choices are a reflection of our character. So if you choose to have these high aspirational values to where you're loving, kind, and you're you're a peaceful person, but hey, your practice values, you're impatient, you're wrathful, you're vengeance, you are revengeful, hey, then it is our choices that are, are a reflection of our character. And the last sentence that he writes, um, he puts, we would rather do basically anything else. And that's something that resonates with me too because, as I was saying, there was a point in my life where I didn't want to face the the truth. I didn't want to have to look in the mirror. I didn't want to have to take accountability and responsible for the messes that I made. I would have rather done all of the above mentioned things. I would have rather done basically anything else other than pay the piper. And that bill always comes due with interest the longer you put it off the weaker you get the bigger your problem spreads and hey man that bill is always going to be due now the last paragraph in this book ryan holiday writes in life we all get stuck with dead time its occurrence isn't our control Its use, on the other hand, is. As Booker T. Washington most famously put it, cast down your bucket where you are. Make use of what is around you. Don't let stubbornness make a bad situation worse. Now, because your boy Ruby Rube did a podcast episode about Booker T. Washington, the title of his book is Up From Slavery, when Ryan Holiday inserted that quote by Booker T. Washington. Hey, guess what? Your boy Ruby Rube had a one-upper. One, I know who Booker T. Washington is. And two, when he says his quote, cast down your bucket where you are, I know the exact story that Booker T. Washington is talking about. Booker T. Washington, he he was an awesome dude. So if you don't know who Booker T. Washington is, I have an episode. It's in like episode 30, 30-ish or something like that. But I'm not going to get in too much in depth on Booker T. Washington. Except for the the phrase where he puts, cast down your bucket where you are. And whether you are in a prison cell, whether you're in a, a bad marriage, whether you're bankrupt, whether you're in... A, a drug addict, wherever you are, you have the resources that you need all the time. You don't need to go somewhere. You don't need something outside of you. 
everything that you have is within you. So Booker T. Washington says, hey, cast down your bucket where you are. Because where you're at, you have everything that you need. Wherever you go, wherever your body is, wherever your mindset is, wherever your heart is pumping, wherever your spirit is burning, that's all you need to sort yourself out, to figure it out, and change the trajectory of your life. So as Booker T. Washington said, your boy Ruby Rube is going to stand on the shoulder of that giant and say, hey, cast down your bucket where you are. There's another quote that says, bloom where you are planted. So you can be in the middle of, of a ghetto, of a war zone, wherever you're at. Hey, I know it's tough. Easier said than done, right? But the best of us, we bloom where we're planted and we cast down our buckets wherever we are at. If Hey, you know what? If Booker T. Washington had the same philosophy, man, he was an a illiterate slave boy who rose to prominence, creating a beautiful college that is still in use today. He had the newly freed slaves construct and create iterations that incrementally improve the school little by little to where it today it is one of the most beautiful college campuses in this country if you think it you have it tough wherever you are whatever situation you're in are you a illiterate slave boy man put yourself in those shoes so excuses are excuses it doesn't matter you can say hey Ruben this is cliche this is this is a fairy tale dust. Might as well, you know, sprinkle some pixie dust on you and, and get you to fly off somewhere. Hey, you know what? These aren't my words. And this is why it is important to learn of other people who have come from much shittier circumstances. You might be up shit creek, but hey, they were much further down shit creek than where you are. And as much as we think that today, is today and the stories of all the people who have come before us aren't applicable to today to that i say nay you know your boy ruby rube over here is rhyming like dr seuss but man think about how how arrogant a statement that could potentially be robbing you of your new version of yourself by saying, hey, Booker T. Washington, that stuff doesn't apply to me. But man, yeah, like I said, I'm sure you have problems. I'm sure it's tough. Wherever you at, you've been through some things. You have been embittered more than enlightened. But you are not a illiterate slave boy. A illiterate. That means you can't read slave boy, a black slave boy. And, and you know, man, that was back in the slavery days. That was when it was not cool to be black. Today, man, some of the some of the coolest people, so some of the most powerful, some of the most richest people, some of the most highly coveted people are black. But back in Booker T. Washington's days, that did not exist. Despite all that, despite that situation and circumstance, Booker T. Washington rose up 
to being a presidential advisor, a multi-presidential advisor. He was rubbing shoulders with with, uh, Carnegie, one of the richest men in the world. Essentially, that was the Jeff Bezos back in the day. That was the Elon Musk back in the day. And an illiterate slave boy was made friends with them. Booker T. Washington was giving speeches to kings and queens, and they were donating to his cause. Another fact is back in Booker T. Washington's day, they didn't have microphones. So you can go online right now and type in Booker T. Washington giving a speech. And there's hundreds, if not thousands of people standing before his stage. And how do you think Booker T. Washington was able to reach the people and influence and inspire the person standing all the way at the back? What do you think Booker T. Washington had to do with no microphone? He had to project, enunciate his voice. He had to speak powerfully. Can you imagine being at one of his his speeches and his booming voice being reverberated through every eardrum and sowing a seed and sparking a spark in every single person that stood in that crowd? Man, that's badass right there. That's super cool. Now, because your boy Ruby Rube exposed you to Booker T. Washington and the miraculousness which constitutes that man's life, what are you going to do now that you come up with a little bit of a adversity? Oh, this is tough. This is so hard. Man, is it Booker T. Washington? Illiterate slave boy tough? Probably not. Your boy Ruby Rube wants to let you know that you got it good and that you can overcome so much more. So quit being a little biatch. Quit playing the victim. You can do it. And you know what? This is the stuff that I tell myself. This is why I do what I do. This is what fires me up. Because I used to be the one who was uh, denying myself of the power of taking accountability over my circumstance and situation. I was I was blaming other people. But what I had to do was look myself in the mirror and find some solitude to where I could think. I had to separate myself from quote unquote friends. I had to remove myself from environments so that I wasn't being distracted so that I so that I could work on myself. That's enough for today boys and girls. Like I said, this book, it's over 200-something pages. I read you like three pages. Three pages, and it's not even the full pages. It's a couple highlighted sections. So if you were to buy this book and read the whole thing with a, and go over it with a highlighter, and when you came upon a word that you didn't understand, rather than letting it go over your head, you pulled out your phone and you got to the to the brass tacks, to the gravitas of that word. What is that going to do for you? It's going to empower you. It's going to enlighten you. It is going to illuminate parts of your life and your world that which was in darkness is going to illuminate them. 
It's going to illuminate that that area. It's going to stimulate your mind. It's going to spark some interest. It's going to fire you up. It's going to light a fire under your ass. And you know what? As Customato did to Mike Tyson, your boy Ruby Rube wants to do for you right now. I want to take that little spark, blow on it a little bit, turn that spark into a flame. I want to add a little bit of more fuel to that flame until it becomes a fire. And then I'm going to add even more fuel to that fire until it becomes a inferno. And anything that gets tossed into a inferno just creates more light, more heat, and it just burns even more. And there's nothing that can pull, uh, burn out a inferno. Nada. Zip. So, if you made it to the end of this of this podcast, I want to commend you on your indefatigability, on persisting tire, tirelessly, and making it all, all the way to the end. So, Thank you so much. If you found this helpful, useful, fun, give me a like, a subscribe, a follow, share it with someone else. And until next time, it is onward. Always onward.